following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Could you be in a toxic relationship and not even see the signs? This is far more common than you think. Today, on Tamar's Relationship Transformations, your host, author, and certified relationship coach, Tamar Neal, will expose the less talked about, but nonetheless, all-important aspects of unhealthy and abusive relationships. You'll learn how to avoid being in one or how to get out of one. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the host or the show. Now, here's Tamar Neal. Hey, hi. I always do my little dance during that part. But anyway, hi. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another exciting episode of Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations. Today, I will be sharing another excerpt from uh, one of my award-winning books, Venomous Relationships. Now, I am doing this in an effort to help women as well as men, to identify some of the telltale traits of common, notice I use the word common, toxic relationships. Because there are, because there are no monsters in the book, just real people doing real people things. As we know, a man becoming a man is a process and <laughs> apparently so is becoming a woman according to an article that i read in us news and world reports women between the ages of 18 and 24 are most likely to experience abuse from a current or former partner or spouse get this every minute about 20 people are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S., according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Recent incidents involving NFL players, pop stars, and well-covered stories have broke the silence on domestic violence and helped alert the public to its dangers. However, I know that many incidents still go unreported and unknown. You know why I know? Because for many years, for those of you that that don't know, for many years I was employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator. And I was afforded during that time the rare opportunity to be a fly on the wall while some of your most upstanding people did some of the most unthinkable things to their loved ones in the privacy of their homes until the police arrived. During this time, and on many occasions, 
I had to learn to follow my gut. It's something that happens to you once you start working in a 911 center. I believe all of the operators, they become very in tune to that gut, that intuition that's that's right there. And if they don't get in touch with that gut, they don't stay there long. But anyway, it's a judgment call, just an example. You receive a hang-up call, and the protocol is during a hang-up call to call the location back. Let them know you received a hang-up call from the location. Access everything okay. A yes like yes or yes, yes. There's something about the yes <laughs> that will hit me or the should hit the operator in a way to sort of gauge her as to should I get a car out there um, or should I, you know, maybe just let this one go. Now, with that, with that yes like that, I would probably send the call. The, the thing, the person that wouldn't get a, a car would be someone you call back and the person says, oh, you know what, the baby was just over there and I hung up the phone. Did you call 911? So I probably wouldn't send a um, an officer out for that one. But just something inside of you that tells you something isn't right with this. And that gut will get so good to you sometimes that you may get a, you may get a yes and and it'll prompt you to say something like, if you're unable to talk but you need an officer, can you just cough? They're on the way. So, you know, that gut can, you know, save lives. And and, and many times that the life, sometimes that your gut could save could definitely be your own. Anyway, I like to, to read an excerpt before I go on to this wonderful guest that I have um, waiting that's going to be coming on immediately following this excerpt. But um, before we do that, I want to break the ice with my gut buster story. Um, I, I actually did a special report for CNN with this um, with this story. And um, I just think that it, it's, it's something and it's in my book, Venomous Relationships. It's something that everybody should know. I don't like to just put other people out there. I, I think I'm always the best example when I'm trying to um, lead other people. Okay, so my gut buster story. I knew all the tricks, y'all, and I still look for treats simply because I'm human. It was a beautiful, sunny summer day. I was a newly divorced young mom of two boys enjoying a much-needed girls' afternoon out, strolling the park with a favorite cousin. When a guy drove by, observed me, and said, there she is. He quickly made a U-turn to come toward me. The gentleman said, I must have your number. He was from another country. Normally, I would have never fulfilled such a demand, but it was something about the approach that I thought was different. You know what I mean, y'all? We don't hear that. I'm, you know, where I'm from, we don't hear there she is every day. So, you know, it just really did something to me. So, I found myself unable to refuse when he said, I must have your number. It was something about that conversation um, that I was unable to refuse. Normally, I would have never fulfilled such a demand, but it was something about the approach that I thought was different, and I found myself unable to refuse. 
However, his conversation and something about him made me keep postponing any dates with him. You know that person that calls you and when you get on the phone with him, you just feel like hanging up as soon as you get on the phone or you wonder why you even picked up the phone. Well, it was one of those situations. And sometimes I would kind of, if I was really bored enough, talk and then, you know, but I'm just being real frank. That's where I was then. Uh, One morning I was feeling particularly depressed about my single status and I felt like I needed to start allowing people into my life again to avoid the feeling of emptiness that I can no longer deny inside of me. I finally accepted one of the man's invitations to dinner at his house after several months of talking with him on the phone and yet knowing, knowing that he was not the guy for me. He drove over to pick me up, and when I opened the door, the first thing he said was, what happened to your skin? I, when I asked what he meant, he said, you were so much darker when I first saw you. My aunt, who was babysitting for me at the time, laughed and said, of course she was darker. We are all darker in the summer. For some reason, the gentleman was really disturbed by the change in my complexion. As I kissed my sons goodbye, I had this sudden feeling of unhappiness suddenly suddenly came over me. I wanted to turn around and run back, but how could I do that to this guy again? You know, I had turned him down on, I had reneged on so many dates, y'all. The date was set up wrong right from the start. I was trying to make myself feel good and I reached out to something external to do. I reached out to something external to do that. I knew I was making a big mistake allowing him to fix me dinner at his home. When we left for the house, it was a cold, rainy, dreary day which later turned to heavy fog. We were both pretty silent in the car. I wasn't feeling him and I think it was mutual. Suddenly we parked in front of the house and he explained to me that it was that he was that. It was the uh, one that he lived in with his ex-wife. I'm trying to speed this up a little bit because we're running into a commercial. Now keep in mind, I had talked to this man for about six months on the phone. He would never go into any details about what happened with his marriage. Now he had me parked in front of his house that he shared with his ex, almost as if he was still living there. After about 10 minutes, we pulled away. And after a short while, we arrived at his, after a short while, we arrived at his apartment. While he was preparing the meal, I sat in a dinette area attached to the kitchen. The guy started talking about his marriage to his ex-wife, how beautiful everything happened. He said she was an American woman and he had flown people in from around the world for their union. By this time, everything inside of me was telling me that I had to get out of this apartment. He looked like he was going into a daze and almost re-experienced what transpired when he caught his wife underhanded with an ex-boyfriend while he was out of the country. He said for many years, he thought of finding a woman who looked like her and killing her. He then turned around, quickly pointed his knife at me and said, my wife looked just 
like you. If you are just joining me, you just missed an excerpt from my book, Venomous Relationship, and I just left my listeners with a cliffhanger. However, my book, Venomous Relationships, is available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, most online bookstores. Uh, People can be really deceptive. My next guest is on the way. Sui Yanni Taylor Walton will share her life experience at the hands of an estranged boyfriend and completing her journey of self-discovery to find her heaven on the other side. Her story, Hang Around, is shocking, inspirational, and will keep you on the edge of your seat. This is a tremendous tale of how true life can turn into true crime in an instant This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award-winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Build a better business, achieve that goal, make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Now, I know that I left y'all with a little shock wave and everything, but I'm not quite finished with you yet. I have something else up my sleeve. I got somebody that's gonna really um, put the put the put the pack on with her story, and this is a ph- phenomenal woman. I'm just so excited to have her here. Um, I have a copy of her book, "Going Through Hell to Get to Heaven." Soyini, are you there? I'm here, Tamar. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, I thank you for being here. I mean, I am so excited to have you. I read your book. And you know something? You are going to transform so many lives. I mean, I am a person. I write books. I've written four books. 
But I, I have a very short attention span when it comes to, <laughs> <laughs> to reading like books. I, <laughs> I have countless books. <laughs> Right. And if you could get me to hang in there, it's like I picked your book up and I didn't want to put it down. That's so, great. <laughs> so, um, you know, so with that being said, you heard my story and um, I'm sure you probably said, wow, all of, you know, I, when we really look at it, they need to have a manual on this thing because it, the telltale traits are all right there. That's right. We, we choose to ignore them. Soyini. Talk to my my listeners. Tell my listeners about where you were during the time when you wrote, I mean, before, what prompted you to write Going Through Hell to Get to Heaven. And, um, you know, if you could just, just, just give them a quick roll of exactly what happened. Sure. And how, okay. All right. We're ready. Sure. No problem. Um well, everybody, uh, I, did, I really wrote the book because I wanted to share um, my story. I wanted to share my experience with domestic violence, which up until everything happened to me, I knew really nothing about, to be very honest with you. Um, you know, I'm just, I always tell people I'm just like everyone else. You know, I, I grew up, you know, in a very loving home with my parents and went to college. And then after college, I went and, um, you know, started working in corporate America, had lots of success there. I've always had very healthy relationships, lots of good friendships. So um, I just kind of say that just just give you a kind of a quick background on who I am as a person. And I just really want people to know that when you meet someone, you truly don't know, know who they are. So let me just share a little bit more about what happened with me. So several years ago, about seven years ago, I was in a place in my life where I was ready to kind of settle down and get married. And I was just open to, to dating. I had been single for a little while, not that long, but for a little while, and I was really determined to to, um, to meet someone special. So I did. I met a guy uh, when I was out at a concert, and everything seemed really nice in the beginning. You know, we just really clicked. Um, our birthday, birthdays were just like a couple of weeks away, so we just really had a, a good connection. And everything seemed pretty normal. Um, things happened fast, though, because we met and we kind of started just going out, dating, you know, just hanging out together immediately. So there wasn't this long courting period. We just kind of met and just things kept flowing from there. And shortly after we started going out, I just noticed that whenever I was around him, I kind of sensed that there was something that was a little bit um, different about him, something that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I mm-hmm. distinctly remember telling one of my really good friends, I was like, you know, I, I've been hanging out with this guy for a while, but there's something that I think isn't right. And I was like, I don't know exactly what it is. And she was like, well, you know, what is it? And she just kind of went through a list of scenarios. I was like, no, it's nothing like that. And I was like, I can't really explain it. And I just huh. remember being frustrated because I didn't know what was what I was sensing, but I knew something felt uncomfortable for me. All right, so let me I, stop you there. Let me just stop sure. you real quick there. Looking, sure. back, looking back now, mm-hmm. what was it? that wasn't right or do you want to save it for later on in the story what was what were the things that that weren't right what were those traits that just weren't quite right they're just it just seemed like he he wanted to um present a, a part of him that wasn't really um 
that way. Like he used to always tell me all the time, you know, I'm, I never get angry. Um, I'm a really, mm-hmm. you know, easygoing guy. He just always told me all these positive things about himself. And right. my, my opinion is if those things are true, you really don't have to tell me. I'll kind of know that immediately. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's what made me feel uncomfortable. He was always feeding me what he wanted me to feel about him, and that didn't feel comfortable. Um, so that's kind of something that I, I really picked up on. And um, I know a couple of times early on he told me some things about some relationships that he had in the past where there was kind of like a little bit of violence in them. And so mm. looking back, I think I just kind of I heard it, but then I just let it let it go. I didn't focus so much right. on it. But those are some things that I was like, hmm, just, you know, just those are things now I think about where it, I just, my intuition picked up on it and I should have mm-hmm. listened. Things that make you go, hmm. Exactly. Okay, go ahead. Come on, let's move on. Yep. Yeah. So, hmm. so those that was all happening at the time. You know, it's a new relationship, a new person. Um, he was kind of different from men that I had dated in the past, but I was okay with that at the time. Uh, so, several months into the relationship, I still had these feelings where I just sensed that something wasn't really right with him. I sensed that he wasn't who he wanted to, you know, wanted me to believe that he was. So, I actually told him, you know, I just think we need to stop seeing each other, you know, and ended the relationship. Once that happened, initially he just, you know, he started showing up at my house a lot, like, oh, you know, let's really think about this and let's see if we can work it out. And in the beginning, I was like, okay, this seems, you know, it, it seemed normal. You know, we just mm-hmm. broke up, you know, so he he started um, just kind of showing up at the house and then he began to call me a lot. And for a little while, like maybe a month or so, I just kind of let it go. And then it got to the point where he started reaching out to friends of mine, and he started reaching out to people in my in my circle. He started reaching out to people at my church, which I thought mm. was very strange. So they, to, I'll just fast forward because people can definitely read the book for more details um, on that. But I wound up proceeding with a restraining order. I had to find out, you know, the hard way that the uh, the restraining order is. I think it's it's a great tool, great legal tool, but. For me, it didn't really stop anything from happening. When mm-hmm. we went to court with the restraining order, um, that seemed to kind of, ex- that just made everything a lot uh, more aggressive. Like the calls kept coming a lot. He was kind of showing up in my neighborhood, and like a lot of stalking really started to happen once I got the restraining order. So, so let me let me ask you this. When you got the restraining order, mm-hmm. because I'm familiar with that restraining yeah. order, mm-hmm. and once you have that restraining order, they're, they're not supposed to be within a certain amount, a certain range of wherever you right. are. Right. So with that being said, when the, when, and, and a lot of people, they don't, they, they, they really, they, they don't seem to um, pay the restraining order any mind because the restraining order is basically a piece of paper. But um, were there any attempts to enforce that restraining order when he was, you know? Um, yeah, and, and that's, and I, and I don't want people to, to listen to this and think that restraining orders aren't helpful because that they don't work they are. They I've, I've talked work, to right? lots of people where restraining orders have actually done that like the stalking or you know the harassment stopped for mm-hmm. me in my situation it did not work that way so right. yeah I did I had um, when he'd you know be in the neighborhood and you know like knocking on my door I'd call the police the police when they once they got to my home of course he wasn't there so 
you know, they were just like, oh, we're sorry, you know, he's not here, we, we don't see him, there's nothing oh. we can do. So that just kind of went on a lot, and it was just mm-hmm. getting to be frustrating because I felt like a victim at this point, and I didn't know where else to turn, you know. So right, so maybe there's a hole with the restraining order, because I thought once that person, you know, it looked like if they showed up and mm-hmm. you called and said this person came, you know, and they were a certain amount of feet away from you, that this was a violation and they would be arrested whether they were there or not, but I guess it doesn't work like that. Maybe in that's something they need to look at with way. the... You know, with the restraining orders. Right. Yeah, in my case, um, it, it didn't work out like that. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, that, that's what happened for me. Um, so with the stalking, you know, that happened, I endured the stalking for several months, about five months actually, which is a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare to, to go mm. through that experience. And so it, it just changed my life. It, it made me fearful to be at home alone because he knew I lived alone. He knew how to get in into my home. I mean, it was it was just a very scary time, and mm-hmm. I noticed that, um, you know, in January, around December and January, the early part of January, the calls kind of slowed down. I didn't see him in my neighborhood, and part of me was relieved that the the stalking and the harassment was, seemed to stop. But then the other part of me knew that someone that was that obsessed with me wasn't going to just walk away that easily. So I was kind of, it was was weird. I was sort of happy that all that was, seemed like it was slowing down, but I was also afraid because I was like, what's going to happen? So um, again, my worst fears came true. Um, One night on January 14, 2009, I had come home, and as soon as I got home, I had this strong sense again, this strong feeling that something bad was about to happen. And I remember my intuition just said to me, he's here. And mm. I was—I felt terrified when I heard that because I knew it was true. At that point in my life, I had learned to really start to trust my intuition. And so when mm-hmm. I heard that, I was like, oh, wow. And so I got home, and I parked in front of my home. And as soon as I got out of the car, he, um, he called my name. And when I heard my name, I had a Bible in one hand because I was at church, and I had a lot of papers in my other hand, and my, both of my hands were shaking. And... I was just, I was terrified because I knew, I was like, this is it. This is what he's been planning. And so um, at that point, I walked up the stairs to get into my home, and he was following behind me, and he was yanking my arm, and he was very insistent on getting me in the house to talk. Now, at this point, I knew if if he's in my home, this isn't going to end well. You know, I was like, he's going to harm me in my home. And Mm -hmm. um, I knew that he owned a gun at that point, and I remember looking at him, and I was like, what's in your in your coat pocket? Because there was a big bulge there. And he tried to convince me that there was nothing in there. And um, after that, we got in, in a little bit of an argument because he was trying to get me in my house, and I was trying to stay, of course, outside of my house to talk about everything. You know, if we were going to talk, we need to do it in front of people so that this could be seen. And once, you know, our our disagreement ensued, he pulled out the gun and he actually shot me um, twice in my, oh my, in my face, goodness. right in front of my home, and um, that that was just that was the, I think that was it was it just it still when I think about it, it takes my breath away because that was all the fear that I had built up all those months I knew that he was going to do something and oh my uh, goodness you just Sweeney, you just you just said let's take a deep breath let's tie for yeah. a minute. <laughs> 
Oh, well, we know you're, you're still here. So that's the good part. And you're a beautiful young lady. I'm looking at your picture, but you just you just knocked me off my feet. We're going to take a yeah. quick minute. I'm just going to take a breath and um, we're going to go to a much needed commercial break. When we come back, yeah. you can fill us in on on what happened. Um, we're going to we're going to just stop it right here. We'll be right back after this quick break with Soyini. Taylor, she's gonna lead us back into what happened after that. That uh, on that night, live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A neal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We're going uh, back in with Suyini. Um, She's the author of this, this book, Going Through Hell to Get to Heaven. It is a harrowing account of how true life can turn to true crime in an instant. And Soyini, take us back when you, okay, picking up where we where we left off, when uh-huh. he walked up on the front, um, you knew. I, I love the fact that you, I love the fact of a lot of things about you because one, you didn't let him take you in the house because you right. knew what. If he went in, that yeah, wasn't going to turn out good. That was going to be it for me. Yeah, and I knew mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I knew that. And I, th- I think um, that's what's important for everyone listening to, to realize is that God definitely gives us the gift of intuition, I think. And... He, you know, from the very beginning, God was trying to tell me something about this person, and you know, I was ignoring that that voice that God speaks to all of us. And at that point of going through all this talking and all that stuff, I I started to listen to every single thing I was hearing, 
moment by moment, and that is truly what saved my life. It's not me. I didn't save my life. My neighbors, right. my parents didn't. It was God. So uh-huh. I would just encourage everyone to just, no matter what part of your life is in, if it's your relationships with others, or yourself, whatever, just really try try to tune into to that inner voice. That you know that 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 voice that God gives us. That's always speaking the truth to us and always guiding us. And I think that ultimately, that's absolutely what made sure that I was still here. It's, it's God. Well, and, and well you know what? That that's excellent. That's excellent advice. Excellent advice. So let's let's get back um, to you. Ran down the steps and he shot you. Are you telling me you he shot you twice? Yeah, you were shot twice. I was shot twice in the face. Yeah. So in the shot face. So this this face. man that you had a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who claimed to love you. Right, exactly. That I mean, what was going through your mind? Were you still conscious at that point? What went through your mind at that yeah. point? And that's that's what I, um, so I was fully, I always tell people, I was fully conscious for the entire experience. From the moment I got out of my car, you know, when I pulled up to my development, even when they, you know, when I heard he's here, I knew then I was, you know, I, I was just gave me the, oh my God, you gave me the chills. You heard he's here now. Did you hear an audible voice or did it, was it in your mind? You actually heard that out loud because I think sometimes you can, you can get it. When it's yeah, that serious, it, you heard he's here. You heard it loud and clear, right? No doubt clear. about it. It was very, very clear. It was just like I'm mm. talking to you. It was just like he's here. Woo. And mm. even when I said, uh, what's in your pocket, I knew that he had a gun and that's what I heard. And I knew also if he gets you in this house, he's going to kill you. So all these things, I mean, I'm talking to you because it was coming to me just like that. And that's why I said that voice, that was God protecting me the entire time and telling me which way to turn, um, what to do. You know, all that instruction, I just followed uh-huh. it step by uh-huh. step by step. Uh-huh. Yeah, you get that instruction. I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. So, okay, so you're shot, you're shot twice. What does he do? He leaves, he runs off, the neighbors come. What happens? Take us, yeah, take absolutely. Finish. So, so once, um, so, you know, when we were having that, um, you know, kind of disagreement or argument in front of my home, one of my neighbors across the street was actually in, in the front, and she was looking across, you know, the street at us. So I, I was, at that time, I wish I could have, told her to, you know, like, come help me, but I didn't want to do too much to to alarm him. So I tried uh-huh. to just kind of, you know, do the best that I could, but I, I was, she was there. Uh, one of my neighbors next door was also home. He, um, my neighbor next door wasn't outside, but I knew that, you know, they were awake because I saw the lights and all that stuff. So uh-huh. that's, um, so they were there. And I'm sorry, I forgot the rest of the question. Oh, that's sorry. okay. That's okay. Because, see, you got me going down another road here. Just sure. with that, you know, I always tell people to, with breaking the silence, once you mm-hmm. break that, you know, with whenever you're involved in any type of um, domestic, violent domestic mm-hmm. relationship or abusive relationship, mm-hmm. or you're in a situation where you have to get a peace order, mm-hmm. It may, it's already embarrassing enough to get the peace order. And I was reading in your book where you laid that out there because that just wasn't you. I mean, here you are, this professional woman, and you're going to get a peace order. That's that's just, that wasn't the woman that you are. That wasn't, that's not at all. And and that's the sad part is that a a victim of domestic violence 
feels like they're doing something wrong. I was embarrassed embarrassed. to go and and Uh file for a restraining order. I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed to have to go to court about it. I mean, it was, and and that's a shame because that's nothing to be embarrassed about at all. That's right. But let me say this, that neighbor, I'm thinking about, you're telling me about two neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. And I always tell people when they're going through something with a, uh, an abusive relationship, you know, you are going to have to look around and figure out who in that neighborhood you're going to let know, hey, look, I'm going through something. That nosy old lady that lives across the street that's always watching, she could very well save your life. You could get a little signal going on, like if I turn that bathroom light on, could you please dial 911? Or if you see me come out and I'm walking with him, if I hold my head down, call 911. Let them know I'm in the middle of an abusive relationship. Sometimes we got to let people in our Absolutely. world. I you know, agree. We don't want to. We don't true. want to. That's true. And, and uh-huh. that's one thing I do acknowledge it myself. I did do that. I was very, I had several friends that knew what were going on. I had uh-huh. uh, four neighbors, actually, that knew what were going that, you know, that right. knew what was going on. You My parents knew. So I, I was never silent about that, you know, ever. Uh-huh. And I think that's, your, that's a great point that you're highlighting. It's important to let somebody know. At least one person needs to know. That's right. you got to break the on. silence. you got to. You have to break right. the silence. Absolutely. Um, so, so, okay. So you make it to the hospital. And yeah. I know you fight this long road to recovery back. Right. What was right. that like? What was the, the, the road? Wow. The road to recovery was a long one, and it was very um, draining spiritually and emotionally because mm-hmm. when you think, like, wow, this person, like you said, that, that loved me and that, you know, oh. said, that, you know, that they, you know, they, they just uh-huh. loved you and cared for you, all that stuff, that somebody, and I never thought about that before, but I'm like, somebody actually tried to kill me. Like it's Right. What does that do to your trust? You know what I mean? It's so it hard does. when it you've been victimized to, to really allow yeah. people into your world. Right. And I was always kind to him. I mean, even... You know, um, just while we were together, of course, I was kind of him. Even while we were going through all that stuff, I never, you know, was, like, mean or anything. I just wanted the relationship to be over. Um, so I just couldn't believe it. I was just, I was in shock. I was like, someone actually tried to kill me. It was just, that was the most difficult thing to ever just to realize that that's part of right. my life, that somebody tried to do, to do that. And I'm looking at you. You're such a beautiful woman. You know, I just couldn't even imagine. um, I mean, not saying that if you weren't a beautiful woman that somebody should try to, you know, but I'm looking at you and I just can't imagine a man, you know, going, taking that route. Um, So what happened with, you know, I can imagine what it did to your family. Mm -hmm. It it had to be a nightmare. It was. Um, It was a nightmare. Um, my so I'm from uh, from California, so my family is there, you know. And I at the time, you know, I'm in I'm in Maryland, so my parents had to find that horrible news out on the phone. They oh they flew goodness. out immediately, of course. You know, my my brothers, everybody had to come out. I had you know tons of friends here. That everybody was devastated, and, and that's one thing I always you know I do a lot of speaking about domestic violence and all that. And one thing I always say is that domestic violence doesn't impact just the person 
there's a whole community that is impacted by it. You know, the family, the friends, your actual community, your neighbors. You think about That's it. So true. These are my neighbors who were the ones that that neighbor that was directly across the street. She mm-hmm. actually, thank God, she was a nurse, so she came out and rushed over. You know, made sure that she watched how much blood I was losing. I mean, she she was an absolute mm-hmm. angel. My next door neighbor, he came out. There were a bunch of neighborhood kids. All these people now are part of my story, and they had to experience that, you know, just seeing that. I can't imagine seeing my neighbor, my friend, going through that, you know. So it impacts everybody. It's a huge problem. And my parents, I just cry even now when I think about them getting that call that their only daughter has been, you know, has been shot and might not be. That's every parent's nightmare. That's the the worst. I mean, they never even think of that anything like that is even... They, no. You know, that doesn't even come into play, especially no. with your daughter. No, You know, never you don't want it to come into play with your son, but it definitely doesn't come into play with your daughter. Yeah. And, and um, so, okay. So what, what did they, so what, now at this time he had the restraining order and everything yeah. going on. So whatever happened with this guy? Did you go to court? Uh, what, what happened? How did this, how did this end? Because yeah. I'm assuming well, that this the- ended. The thing is, so it happened on um, on on a Wednesday, and we were actually going to be going to court that following week because he kept violating the uh, the restraining order. So that's kind of what was going to happen. Um, but once he, you know, he shot me, he actually um, decided to commit suicide. So he's no longer here. Oh and, my! Um, that's yeah. So that's how it how it ended. Yeah. Well, you know, Sweeney, I read your book. I know your book's at Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. I know it's in all of the bookstores. But yeah. um, I want to make sure. I'm, we're going to bring you back so that I can ask you some more questions. Sure. But um, maybe while we're going, we're going to be going to a commercial break shortly. When we go to this commercial break, um, hopefully people will go online to Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Check out Sweeney's uh, book, Going yeah. through how to get to heaven because believe me, there are so many dips and turns, and the way that she lays it out, it is definitely a much read, a must read for anyone that is listening. I, she's going to be on the show a little while longer, but I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, when you, I've been a guest on so many shows, and it seems like people always wait till the end to let you know what's going on and where to get what's going on. Also, you have a website address. What's your website address? Yeah, sure. So my name is uh, it's SoyiniWalton.com. So Soyini is spelled S-O-Y-I-N-I, Walton, W-A-L-T-O-N.com. So you can find out a little bit about me. You can also purchase the book. Um, and if anybody's interested, I'm also a life coach, so you can connect with me in that, in that way. That's a great way to connect. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Certainly. It definitely is. So with that being said, we're going to take a another quick commercial break. We're going to pause for the calls and then we'll be right back with Soyini Walton. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A neal.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Um, If you're just joining us, we're listening to uh, my special guest. Her name is Soyini Taylor Walton. Um, She has been sharing her life experience at the hands of an estranged boyfriend. I didn't mean to laugh about this. I'm getting all tied up here. And completing her journey of self-discovery to find her heaven on the other side. Her story is shocking, it's inspirational, and it has kept us on the edge of our seat as it promised. This is a tremendous tale of how true life can turn into true crime in an instant and how a tragedy can turn into an unimaginable triumph. It's all written in her must-read book, Going Through Heaven to Get to Hell. No, Going Through Hell to Get to Heaven. <laughs> That's right. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. We don't oh, want to yeah. get there. Yeah. We don't want to get there. So, Welcome. Take us away. <laughs> yeah, we don't want. We don't want to get. Oh Lord, I got too comfortable. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, hi. Okay. So let me ask you a question because it sounded like, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I am a um, domestic violence advocate and a relationship coach myself. We have so much in common. Um, and and I'm, I'm listening to your story and I've read your book 
And it sounds like you dotted all your I's and you crossed all your T's. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking you, looking back, Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would do differently with what you know now? Yeah, that's something people ask me that all the time. Um, and, And ultimately, there's not too much I would have done differently. The one thing I, I will say, and, and this is for men and women, before you enter a relationship, check yourself and make sure that you're not desperate to be in a relationship. Be open to it, but not desperate. No. <laughs> That's so important because when I look back at that time, I was desperate, to be honest, and I had to admit that to myself. You know, I was desperate to be in a relationship, and I attracted, you know, I attracted someone into my life that wasn't safe. So, Mm. now, Sweeney, wait a minute, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Let me cut (laughs) you off real quick because I don't want to forget this. I'm getting old. I might forget. Check (laughs) this out. Now, notice from the two stories that we had, we had my gut buster and we had Sweeney's. And I've heard that. In both cases, Mm -hmm. you hit that right on the nose because in both cases, Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be lonely. Yeah. I went out with somebody I didn't even want to be out there with. Yeah, I know. It's dangerous. I... Uh-huh. It, it, Go it, ahead. It can really, um, that could be a death wish. I mean, it's, it's that uh-huh. deep, you know. Uh, so I, I, that's one thing I would, I would do differently. It's just, you know, just, hey, just, I'd be okay just still being single and just wait to the, you know, right time when I'm not all, you know, desperate to, to attract a, a, you know, a good, healthy relationship. And the other thing I would do differently is just follow my intuition early on, I guess, and if something doesn't feel right, let it go. You know, when, when you have those gut feelings about somebody, even if you can't pinpoint exactly what it is, just know that that's some kind of protection that, that God's sending you. So it's there for a reason. Things. That's right. Yeah, That's your second brain. Mm-hmm. It's right. That's your it's second true. brain. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's um. So that's those are my two things that I would do differently. And you know what? I follow my gut to the degree now. Mm-hmm. That intuition, I follow follow it to the Greek degree now. If I get that feeling, even if I don't have a clue what that feeling is about, I start looking around. Yeah. I was actually right. in a restaurant. And um, the young lady that uh, when she came to get her tip, I gave her a rather nice tip. And I saw this look come over her face. And I said, is everything all right? Because I'm thinking, you know, I know the tip was all right, you know, but she had this look (laughs) on her face almost like she (laughs) almost like she felt bad about something, you know. Well, the next day, my bike called and asked me if I was going all up and down the road shopping because she had kept my credit card. She was out there shopping with it. (laughs) But I saw the look on her face like... Yeah. Like, you know, like I got your card and you're going to give me a nice tip. Yeah, there it goes <laughs> like, <you> know, again. <laughs> yeah, you know, that feeling, okay. you get this feeling. When you mm-hmm. get that feeling, you got to look around like, you, you know, you might get a feeling like, did I drop something? Let me look to see. I Let me check. I talked to my coach and my coach said, when you got that feeling, you should have been. I said, you know, I felt something when I was at the table when I gave the woman the tip. She said, when you got that feeling, you should have started looking around immediately because that gut will talk. It is our second brain. 
It's God's way of of telling us that someone is not being authentic. You can feel it right in your gut. Some people just knock you down with it. And so many times when we meet people, we don't want to come right out and, um, you know, sometimes some people I just jump right out to and some people I shy away from. And I don't fight myself about that anymore. Because it is what it is. But okay. Sweeney, I want to ask you, get a couple more questions in. I want you to give us your website address again because we're coming real close to the end of the hour. Okay. And I don't want to leave without making sure everyone have. Y'all got y'all pen and everything, right? Because yeah, plenty of time to get it. You know on the show we're going to give out some goodies. Okay, go ahead. Give that website address out. So my website is soyinewalton.com. That's S-O-Y-I-N-I, Walton, W-A-L-T-O-N.com, soyinewalton.com. I'm the only one out there. <laughs> so All right. Okay, and you're also a life coach? Yeah, I am. I'm a life coach um, and a speaker. So mm. lots of ways to, uh, to work with me. Right, so if y'all need a speaker to come out there, you got your speaker right there on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, Soyini, you know, it's, it's, it's just been truly wonderful. It's even been amazing for me because, um, you know, I, I noticed right from the start when, when you said that desperate thing. You know, and that's how I was feeling when I went out with this guy that I didn't even particularly care to be out there with. And there I am, you know, trusting myself. And I left the audience hanging off a cliff because y'all going to have to go in and get the book, Venomous Relationships. It's my gut buster story. If you want to know what happened, one thing you know for sure um, is the fact happened is the fact that I did live. But there's 10 different little short stories in that book. (laughs) So. You know, um, obviously I lived because I'm still here. <laughs> but this gut is a real... <laughs> That's right. You listen. This gut is a real thing. <laughs> Y'all hear me, don't you? This gut is a real thing. It's your second brain. Definitely. It really is. It really is. And whenever we meet a person, it's always that. It's it's always um, that thing that we leave about out about the person when we're bragging to our friends. Oh, girl, I met this guy. He this, he that, he this, he that. That part that you deliberately leave out, that's the part you need to look at. Because yeah. you're leaving it out for me. You already know the answer. We usually know what's, what, what time it is. You, you can usually tell what type of person you're dealing with right off. That's but right. sometimes when you're desperate... When That's you're the desperate, worst, worst, worst situation to be in. Uh, if you're single and safe, I think that's great. Like it, it's much better to be single and safe than to be in a relationship and be in danger. It's it's not worth it. It really, really isn't because you don't know who you're meeting. You're just in love with the idea of being in love when you're out there desperate and dating. That's right. So stay off. So stay offline inviting strangers into your home. With that being said, y'all just go ahead and grab one of these good books going through hell to get to heaven or venomous relationships and stop going out there with strangers. With that on that note, thank you for joining me. So and I'll join you guys next week, Wednesday.
Thank you for tuning in to Tamar's Relationship Transformation. Please join host Tamar Neal again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here again next week. 